because at the end of the day, you're getting hunting and beggars can't be choosers. That's how I see it. Um, you've basically, you get what I see it as you get what you're given and you work from there. And, and if all your stars align, then it ends up where, where we're going to get to shortly. Well, get it, guys. Welcome to the show. Uh, big news this week. We've got, uh, we've got a giveaway and a big one at that. Uh, with a big thanks to Hoyt, uh, I'm giving away my 2018 RX1 uh, Turbo, and uh, one lucky winner is, uh, is going to receive that in the next few weeks. So, how to enter? All you need to do is jump over to the boys at koegabroadheads.com.au or bowhuntersdomain.com.au and put an order in either broadheads or arrows and use the code on checkout Hoyt and you'll automatically go into the draw for the Hoyt RX1. The competition will run from Wednesday, this Wednesday, 15th of May to the 31st of May of this year and the win will be drawn not long after that. So guys, get on there, bulk up with your orders. You can enter as many times as you want. Uh, it is one entry per order. So guys, best of luck. Huge thank you to obviously Hoyt Bow Hunting uh, for their ongoing support of myself and the podcast and a big thanks to the boys at Cayuga and, uh, and Shane at Bow Hunters Domain for their support also. Uh, can't thank them enough and uh, I can't wait to uh, to see someone's happy face when they uh, get drawn to this bow. So good luck guys and uh, get ordering. I'll tell you what, I saw that video of yours this morning with that pig on it and, and I was like, oh. Oh, is it going to turn? Is he going to turn? And then, because they're blind as a bad anyway. He just kept coming. Like, oh, man. Oh, no, it's like, what are you going to do? Kick it with your foot? <laughs> yeah. Mate, that day, um, I was in the hill. I was in the hills with Mick Humphreys, mate. Uh, he's yeah. he's down in Sydney, but he's a Tamworth boy. And yeah. no joke, mate, that was not the easiest, the best day in the hills we've ever had. I think we shot, mm. uh, well, I'll just top my head. I think we shot eight balls for the day, I think. And we never moved probably within well, – I'll tell a lie, I've got another one I shot on the other side of the ridge and then we heard these ones going off and we glassed back down into this gully and there must have yep. been, I don't know, 16, 20 boars in this mob just over about three sows. Yeah, I was going to say, there must have been a few sows. Like yeah, that. and we just did this big run down around this gully back onto this other big plateau stuff that you can <laughs> see that video and we sat there for the rest of the day. So we yeah, just, right. they all bedded up in this gully and we could see them. We just couldn't get into them. And there's yeah. all dogwood and stuff. And then uh, there was this big sucker, like he's huge. And yeah. um, just before I shot that spotter thing, only five minutes before, mm. Mick actually mm. missed him. He, um, he, got all tang- he got all tangled up. And because he's a lefty, yeah. I, I, like, I could get around the bush, no worries at all, being right-handed. But because he's left, he had to come further out around the bush. Yeah, like yeah, half, yeah. we're in the rocks and oh, it's just... It was a big boy too. Like it was a big hog. <laughs> yeah, it was over a hundred anyway. Just looking at it. Oh, that that little spotted thing. Nah, he's only. Oh, well, maybe I'm thinking of the bigger one that I saw the steel photos that you posted. Oh yeah, no, nah, that's me old boy. That that's that yeah. was another trip again. He's a oh, right. he's a big bastard. He is. Oh, I well, shoot. That was a pony that just needed a saddle put on. Just about. Hey, how good's when he's hackled up? <laughs> yeah. Well, before that, I'll put out. I put I found out I found my hard drive with all the video on yeah. it, and um, I was going to put them all together. And I thought, nah, stuff. I'll just put this raw footage on, yeah. and um, yeah, before it. So that big boy I posted that big spot. I think I posted there a few days ago. Yeah, 
Yeah. I've got the video footage of me shooting that in the real thick stuff. And you oh, should well. you should hear the commotions that goes on with that. It is unbelievable. I reckon because you use a bow too, they don't know the direction. No. That it's the, the issue, like where the problem's coming from for them. So they sort of, oh, shit, what's going on here, you know? Oh, something's wrong with one of them, but where, where's it coming from? So they don't know which way to go. That's right. Well, with I shoot this big thing, this big spotted thing, and he lets, like, you can see through the dogwood him do this big flip and, like, scream and carry on. Mm-hmm. Next minute, you just see these other two boars go at it over the sow. Like, they just, he was gone. They didn't care. Like, we heard yeah. them for, like, miles away, like, and that's, we eventually got onto them. But we yeah. shot sort of another three or four pigs on the way to that mob. Like, it's... <laughs> that sounds like with, when I go with John as well, because it's obviously similar sort of terrain. Yeah. 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 Oh, mate. When they're on, it's like yep. everyone wonders why, buddy, you know, I always talk about hunting pigs and stuff. And oh, it's the best when, it, when you get into that stuff, mate, it's unbelievable. Oh, just hunting pigs in general, like, is good fun. Just like hunting rabbits as well, I suppose, too. As oh, definitely. Back to what you know, but pigs are just an add another element. You can get charged. <laughs> oh, no, they get a bit cranky. That's what I kind of like when uh, they're all burnt up a bit. Oh, no, it adds another element. <laughs> that's it. Yeah, exactly. Well, but, my, um, yeah, so how do you wanna, what do you want to do? How do you want to play this out? Or? We're just going to continue what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> it's that easy. I'll, um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll bounce around a bit, mate. We'll sort of um, I'll just get a bit of an idea, sort of, you know, how you started your sort mm. of early, early days and... Yep. Um, mate, we'll sort of just take the conversation yeah, from there, mate, and we'll. Half an hour anyway. Well, that's all right, and then we'll uh, we'll finish up with the the juicy stuff from this year's rut, mate. Yeah, so. well, that's what I was going to say. We might as well build up to that and tease <laughs> everyone right up to the end with the red, and I'll talk through that. Ah, that sounds good. That sounds good. Mm. Well, mate, well, thanks for taking the time to uh, to sit with us, mate. I know you got a busy lifestyle like me, mate, but have you got a couple of days yeah. off, or you you work at the moment? Or? Um, oh, well, it's a long weekend up in Queensland here, so That's right, it's yeah. the first weekend I've been home, I think, in about two months, probably. <laughs> Is that hunting or work? Uh, no, I don't. I only work Monday to Friday, usually. Yep. Yep. Um, my job's pretty sweet like that, but yeah, mainly hunting or, you know, obviously got a family as well like you, so, you know, got to go out and do the family thing as well occasionally and socialise with other people, although I'd rather be out hunting. <laughs> <laughs> you I can't know, do that all the time. I know exactly how you feel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this weekend, you're told this weekend we got to go and see such and such. There's a barbecue, or we're going to go out for lunch and see someone. Or, yep. Yeah. Got to get into the in-laws. Or. Yep. Well, I had yeah. uh, this weekend coming, mate. I had it all kind of organised. Like, yep, yeah, no, I'll slip out. <laughs> then the wife reminds me that uh, it's Mother's Day on Sunday. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I kind of had to pull my head in there and just go, oh, okay, yep, no, no, I've got nothing planned, so. <laughs> yeah, denial. It's yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, but I generally did not know, so anyway, I'll, I'll buy me time. I've been given um, hints with messages of what someone wants for Mother's Day, so I'm pretty safe there because I've You're got good. a really bad memory when it comes to um, oh. remembering dates and everything like that, so. Yeah, I've done I've done a few emergency trips into the foul florist, mate, I'll tell you, so. <laughs> See, I, I used to have uh, my mum used to be a florist, so oh, like, you were prompt me every time until she retired. So you were I was there. sorted. Yeah, exactly. She'd bring it home, and yeah, the biggest bunch of flowers, and I was that was fine. I was a king, <laughs> but now she's retired. And I'm on my own now again, so I've got to remember <laughs> things. 
<laughs> oh, that's awesome, mate. Well, apart from Mother's Day, mate, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, mate. We, um, you're probably one that flies under the radar a little bit, uh, which is a good thing. You're a passionate rifle hunter. But um, tell us a little bit about your background, mate, uh, where it all started for you, who got you into it, and uh, take it away. Rightio. Well, it's a bit of a strange one because none of my family, immediate family, hunt. And my father, apart from what I understand, he used to just ride around on a push bike as a kid. Both my parents are English. Yep. Um, well, Mum's English and half Polish, so there's a bit of background there, I suppose, but some people may have in the past hunted in the family, but no one that uh, was alive when I was growing up. Sure. And um, anyway, dad used to ride around on a push bike with a Webley air pistol is what he told me and used to shoot wood pigeons in the UK. That was about the most he ever did. <laughs> that sounds pretty fun. Grow- <laughs> yeah, it would have been back before the PC police were around. <laughs> you can't do any of that these days. But, um, nah. Yeah, just riding around, having fun as kids. Anyway, he um, actually got a job in Southeast Asia and that's where my mum and him went after they were married from the UK. And I was actually born in Singapore. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, so a bit of, bit of a long-distance yeah. story. Yeah, it's a, it, we get there. It'll come around full circle <laughs> to and then he then got another same sort of job um, teaching in, in Hong Kong. Gotcha. And then then he got another job, and then this is when we get to Australia. So this is about when I was probably about five or six. Okay. We, we moved down to Mexico, down in Victoria there, um, to a place <laughs> about half an hour from, from um, Geelong. So Gotcha. Yeah, down, down south anyway, and that's where the – hunting sort of came into it so growing up i did the usual thing you know cricket football soccer i think i tried every sport under the sun and and (laughs) being honest to myself i I sucked (laughs) (laughs) um i yeah look i i'm all right at cricket i struggle to kick the footy i'm all right at tackling that would have been about it yep and handballing but um yeah really probably just yeah, not not good at much more else. And I think I even tried gave netball a go. People would probably have a laugh at that. But <laughs> I had a go at that as well just to see if I could, you know, excel at something. But anyway, where, where we grew up down there, mum's a keen gardener and she had a big veggie patch and being Victoria and especially Geelong, it's like sort of the home of the rabbit, I suppose. And there's a lot of rabbit was a lot of rabbits around that had eat her um prize vegetables and, and garden so <laughs> yeah to um, fix them up yeah that's it they they'd come in under the fence at night and eat her stuff and um unfortunately for myself my birthday's on christmas eve really and you yeah, are unlucky I, I know i know i know it's a strange one but dad would always take me every year to the boxing day test at the mcg gotcha and when i got close to 10 years old he said to me Son, uh, you can pick your present this year. He said, do you want to get a boat or do you want me to get my gun license? And, of course, I knew he he gets seasick in the bathtub. So <laughs> I, I thought, oh, well, yeah, we'll go with the gun license. That seems more fun. And I knew that mum had been pressuring him to do it anyway because yeah. of this whole rabbit situation. <laughs> and so <clears throat> he went and and passed his test and got his license and 
Um, it just happened to be that there was a, a local gentleman in the town growing up. There was a gunsmith and he used to own a few gun shops in the 70s in the, in the same area. Uh, his name's Ron Green. Anyway, um, he had an air rifle and he lent it to Dad. We had a lot. He has a lot of guns, but he, he lent this air rifle to Dad, and so I learned with this pretty much clapped. It was clapped out. Yep, but, yep. You know, had it was open sights, and yeah, that's sort of where it probably really started. As I think I was about ten at the time. Good age. Just, yeah, just just shooting rabbits. Um, and also starlings, other introduced things, you know, that yep. sort of, yeah, I think dad would have to get a packet of 500 pellets at least a week at one stage. <laughs> you're, so, you're sorting them out. <laughs> yeah. And the, and the air rifle had to go back to, to Ron, Ronnie's place. Um, I think it got serviced because it was the piston had gone off. <laughs> I can't remember, but it got a workout and yeah. Yeah, it, it, um, it was all good fun. Like you know, I, I I don't know how this it would knock over the rabbits pretty at pretty close range, but yeah. you, you know, air guns. I think it was a Chinese made one. It was, wasn't like a long range sort of thing. At that time, but you didn't said, care. No, that's right. I was king of the castle. I was like, yep, I've I've got an air rifle. I you know I can shoot these rabbits, and and my I, we used to have some dogs as well at the same time that we, um you know, put on the rabbits as well. And they used to love it when they didn't have to chase the rabbit. They'd just get <laughs> a freebie, you know. <laughs> but and, and so pretty much in that um, time period, it was just small game. Gotcha. 100% small game. Um, there, you know, now down there there's deer, you know. If you <laughs> Left, right in, and centre. <laughs> yeah, well, if you look in the right bush, yeah. whether it's state forest or public land, uh, yeah, sort of any public land and even private, there's there's a lot more deer, and I think that was probably partially because of the whole deer farming yeah. situation. Now we're seeing the explosion of deer, whether it's fallow, amber, or whatever yeah. down there. But there, yeah. it was just non-existent, even for the older guys. You yeah. Know? What sort of, if you don't mind me asking, what kind of years was that? You said you were about ten. How many? Ten. Years? So that would have been in the early nineties. Yep. Yep. Gotcha. So um, I'm not sure when the deer farms sort of, that sort of died. I can't. Oh. It's probably. Mm. Oh no, it's it's all different, sort of up and down. Like you know, yeah. depending on what state you're talking about, really. But yeah, um, that's true. Where did um, so once you, you know, you sort of obviously you uh, you gave the old air rifle a workout, but where did, where did it sort of switched? Like what was your what was the next caliber and and sort of what age were you and. You know, was that just a natural progression or did someone sort of influence that? Well, it's natural progression and also influence. So at, at the same time, I started going to Cubs or Cub Scouts. Yeah. Um, learn the Rod, bush skills. Yeah, learn the bush skills. But it happened so happened to be that Ronnie's uh, grandson, Gus, um, he was going there too. And I used to pinch his purple hubba bubbas off him um, <laughs> because I wasn't allowed lollies growing up. So my parents were sort of, you know. oh, hubba bubba. Was, yeah, hubba bubba. <laughs> the purple one as well, which is the easy better one. Oh, it's, it's the shit, isn't it? It's the go. Yeah, it was the go. It was the good stuff because yeah. he was allowed, Gus was allowed anything. Um, he was the only grandson at the time in that family. So oh, he was cheering. He was, 
Yeah, that's right. So anyway, I became friends with him and he was the same age as me and and Ronnie was his grandpa as well. So he had pretty much free free reign. We're probably talking 10 to 12 here still. But, yeah, gotcha. You know, of, of small calibres, um, obviously under supervision, um, free reign of that. But anyway, so I started – I sucked at footy, sucked at everything else, <laughs> liked the shooting. So um, they took me into the local uh, Clay Target club. Yeah, got yeah, yep. And I started doing that. So every Wednesday, Ronnie would drive in and run a schoolboys or schoolboy and girl training thing for one of the local schools. And he said to me, look, do you want to come along and have a go at this Clay Target shooting? And so I was like, oh, yeah, well, why not? So he again every every wednesday drive in um and and take me in and all i'd i'd just grab a, a shotgun off him i started off with actually i went straight to the 12 gauge i think but i just used really light loads yep, yep. And, and just single shot took the kick out put, of it yeah well, i just put I, instead of putting like i used a double barrel but i just put one load in the bottom yep so yeah and just and shot clays off the did trap shooting and then I eventually progressed to, as I got older, to skeet and also sporting, which is more sort of simulated field shooting. Can you just explain the difference between trap and skeet? Okay, so traps, basically, you've got, off off the top of my head, I haven't done it for so yeah, long. Yeah, you're right. Five, five stations, like five spots that almost go um, oh, from one side of the trap house, the trap house is in front of you and you're just yep. firing straight out and the clays can come out at different elevation or slightly different angle. Gotcha. And so you move from station to station and you've only got two shots and depending on the uh, – they, they do little competitions or they would do competitions on the weekend and, you know, if first barrel would score more than second barrel. Gotcha. So, yeah, and you got yeah. you got single trap and double trap, don't you? Yeah, as well. So this yep. was all just single trap, gotcha. sort of run of the mill basic stuff to get get your eye in. And and I didn't do too bad at that. Like I I enjoyed it, and I probably did a lot better than I did at the other sports. Yep. So then I started competing in the junior stuff on the weekend, and also against adults as well. I actually won some good money <laughs> one time <laughs> against a bunch of adults when I was about sixteen years old because they used to put um, in some of the competitions they put money. Money down. In a hat. And yeah, that's right. So I think I came home with about a oh, hundred and something, two hundred dollars oh, or something. You were cheering. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where that money went. I should ask mum. I suspect it got hijacked along the way. I was just way. about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we went into because it probably went into chook food or something yeah, like that, or yeah. the pellet, the pellet fund, the air rifle pellet fund. <laughs> but so yeah, I used to do that as a social thing as well because you know you could have anywhere up to a hundred shooters at a competition. Yep. in the local area and then you know you'd be in a junior squad so there'd be other juniors and I've still got I don't know probably half a dozen friends that I've shot with since the teenage years that I still shoot with today and talk to every awesome. second day possibly yep yep so that was pretty much that um, so and in between yeah sorry I'll just take you back quickly and we just didn't cover skeet what was the skeet compared to the trap oh sorry skeet skeet again has uh, I think it's got off the top of my head, six or seven stations. Again, it, we're going back probably 20 years now yeah, since right. I sort of 
done it and you've got a high house, low house, and then you get a combination of one coming out of the high, one coming out of the low, not at the same time, and then you do get a pair that come out at the same time gotcha. when you call. So you do you only get you can have two shots, two shots, and then there's it throws simultaneously, so it's one shot on each and you move around the different stations until you basically get right underneath the pair. So that you know, probably double the barrel length away flying above your head and you've got to try and smoke them essentially from that close. That's awesome. So, I'm gonna I might have to go I've got I've got a clay target club like literally ten K yeah. down the road here. I'll have to yeah. give that a go. Yeah. It is good fun and it gets you it does get you obviously eye in for a bit of wing shooting because you, oh, for you sure. may get birds like that. And, of course, Victoria still has a duck season. I think yep. New South Wales does, but under the rice permit. Yep, yep. Um, I've, I've still maintained my licence since forever that when I got it, I've still got it now. So I actually went down last – or this this year for duck opening. Awesome. So, I've uh, done it. I'd, I'd be keen as to go and do something like that. I'd, I'd, yeah, I'm fascinated with the – Like my dad grew up. You know, shooting well, pretty much everything like quail, rabbits. You know, shooting them over jaw, uh, sorry, German short air pointers with his shotties. That's what yep. he grew up doing, and oh, it fascinates me. I love it. Yeah, well, as a kid, that was our job to sort of be that we didn't. The adults didn't have any gun dogs that we hunted with. They yep. used us kids to flush out the foxes <laughs> and everything else. Or hey, kids, go over to the other side of the dam and see if you can scare any black ducks out of there. <laughs> we, we, that used to happen a few times. Yeah, like get, we, getting all, the old lead shower. Yeah, well, you'd soon learn to duck. But <laughs> it'd send you around the other side of the bank while they sat at one end. Obviously, within reason, they'd wait till the ducks rose up high enough. Yeah, but, yeah. You know, it yeah. was all good fun. Well, kids, well but, controlled. Still got you? Yeah, still there. It just went a bit funny for a second. But, um, yeah, so that was pretty much play target competition so did that and they probably look i probably did that i stayed in victoria till i was 21 okay yep i did that till because the geelong gun club got um repossessed by the state government because their lease was up and there was a big battle oh, and they just wanted the land back because it's prime real estate on the yeah, edge of right. the golf course oh, um, yep. so, yeah it eventually got taken off them yep unfortunately um even though they put up a good fight. But I, I probably, yeah, I shot there through my younger years and, you know, had pretty good memories. But um, hunting was the thing that sort of I really preferred. That was all just in the back of my mind was, you know, just something to keep your eye in and socialise. Yep. Pretty much um, as the years went on. So that was, you know, 10 plus um, years old. I would go out hunting straight after school. I would, because we were fortunate enough, although we lived only on a few acres, we were surrounded by a lot of other properties that had a lot of rabbits and foxes, hares, the old feral cat. So I'd, with my um, gift of the gab, I had managed (laughs) as a kid to go around and find out who owned these places and I'd I'd say, pretty please, would you let me on to shoot a few rabbits? Yep. And they either would say no and you'd respect that or you'd, They'd say yes, but I ended up with about oh, was surrounded by about four neighbours, and I think I had three out of the four at the time. And then I had a few other places growing up as well, not for just a little bit further away. But I could literally ride my push bike home from school, 
and then um, you know get the get the gun out under supervision and go out with dad and he'd just watch or you know be within eye distance. Yep. Yeah, we just shoot some rabbits out of some of the uh, neighbouring properties. That's and then as that went on, I also made a bit of money out of it, selling rabbits to some of the older people in the little town that we lived in. Yep, yep. And so that paid for the – as I progressed, I got a 22, and then that, you know, paid for the ammo for the 22. And then, um, yeah, look, I started out probably with some pretty ordinary gear, but as Dun- the years go on now, it sort of gets better and better because, you know, you're Dun- earning your own money. <laughs> done, the, done the job by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah. Look at I, there was some interesting firearms probably in there that you know you had to work really hard. To, the sights were pretty ordinary or something, you know, yeah. not quite right. But you'd make do with what you had. Yeah. Um, and and luckily for me, um, having Ronnie as the gunsmith, I would he was within push bike riding distance. So you know, Dad might drop a gun down, and I'll just tell him I'd ride down there and hang out with him and say oh, you know, it's doing this or that, and he'd just fix it. Like he could – he's uh, he's 90 this year, so. Yeah, right. He's, doing, he's, yeah. Been, he's been around – like I think he was 70 at the time. When gotcha. Then, so – and he'd already owned two or three gun shops in the 1970s, so he's been around the block a fair bit and could just, you know, oh, yeah, I'll sort that out or I've got that part somewhere or, yeah, nothing was ever too hard for him, but – yeah, so he, he pretty much took me to the clay target comps and the practice and same as Gus as well. And then as we turned got older, we got our um, our game licenses, which allow you to obviously hunt deer and ducks. Yep. But even as a 70-year-old, he'd take us out on, a say, a Friday night and we'd go spotlight rabbits. Um, he'd get up early in the morning and take us down to the local state game reserve to shoot ducks. He just loved like, it. He, yeah, he and he still does. Yeah, um, like uh, he see, I send him photos of the stuff that I shoot now. But yeah, he he's just a mad keen hunter, and even on the coldest of days, he'd still be sat out there with the decoys, and we'd probably be fifty meters either side of him. He, <laughs> you would he would not complain. He would be there till the end. So that is unreal. I can't help but uh, you know, just as you're telling me that story of how. I guess you could say a traditional country kid, the way way we kind of, you and I both growing up really, you know, knew nothing different. You know, every chance you got to go for a walk, you were you were doing it after school, before school. I mean, it's a, it's a fair change for probably what we see now. Um, yeah. You know, we, with kids, I mean, it's sort of hard for us to think that we could probably have our kids growing up like that in some ways. I can't, I just can't help but think, you know, just listening to your stories growing up. It'd be hard to do that now. Oh yeah, I don't think my son's going to experience that growing up. We do live in suburbia, yeah, obviously well, now. But it's yeah, any kid this day and age that has that um, upbringing is probably a, a lucky kid. Like it's all video games and yeah, stuff like that these days. But yeah, like you wouldn't, you and I probably wouldn't think anything of it. Like it was just second nature. Oh, yeah, I'm just going to go down the paddock or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was that or was that all? That or fishing, fishing out, yeah. you know, get, take the bow down, or you know, I used to have the old, you know, the five glass fence post. That was my <laughs> my old man turned down both ends of it, put a, I don't know what kind of bit of rope on it, and just yeah. ser- serve the th- string with a bit of fishing line, and I used to grab his old cedars out of the box, and that was me. Like, <laughs> and um, 
never never shot one or anything. Like we'd shoot them with the yeah. with the like the rifle, that like the air gun or the yeah twenty two or whatever. But and we were lucky. Like we had we had free reign of that. Mm. You know, we we had we'll supervise. But you know, yeah. once we got to a sort of eleven or twelve, it was down the paddock with the twenty two by yourself and. I don't know, you just never knew any different. You didn't know how to do something stupid, you know, if that makes well, yeah. sense. You'd get caned if you did something stupid. Oh, well, you, you'd never get to see it again. That was the... Well, that's right, exactly. It was a privilege. Yeah, big time, big time. So, mm. so, so yeah. India hunting, like, you, you obviously got your license and you, you obviously had a ripping mentor uh, in Ron, but, you know, when, when did sort of... Did you really hit Victoria hard or did you move you know, before it got too serious or? Yeah, a bit of, bit of probably the second one there. So I, my parents moved up to Queensland because my dad got another job and that was probably when I was around about 18, 19. Yep. And I stayed in the family house down there because I just finished high school. Gotcha. And um, got my, I had my peas obviously and I'd actually got a, a job at a local council and I was like, oh, yeah, this is not too bad. Got the house to myself. Everything's gone. You run a uh, mark. <laughs> yeah, I had free reign. And, you know, I could oh. shoot whatever I wanted, no one to complain about it, yep. do whatever I want. So um, that's when I started thinking about deer pretty much because I had the independence with a vehicle. Yeah. And also, changes a lot of things. <laughs> that's right. You you don't have to rely on anyone else. Like even just cutting back slightly, like to, even shooting ducks during duck duck season, I'd have to rely on someone to drive me there before the yeah. sun came up or before the sun went down. So yeah. the, the independence thing of the, the having the car license just totally opened it up. And like I said um, a bit earlier, the deer I don't remember being that um, amount in the region. So you had to travel a few hours. Got you. And, yep. Um, obviously, the other thing too is I only had small game rifles. So yeah. I think at that time I had an air gun, a 12-gauge shotgun, a twenty two, and a triple two for shooting foxes for the farmers. So yep, yep. That, the triple two was the biggest thing I had. Um, but luckily for me, again, Ronnie – had uh, is, is a, a ex gun dealer and a gunsmith, so I said to him, "Look, I'd I'd like to go shoot deer, and I think I need." He goes, "Well, what deer do you want to shoot?" And I said, "Well, Samba." And he goes, "Well, you're going to need something big enough because that thing, I, oh, oh yeah, the triple two that you've got's not big enough." So right. then, at that point as well, I probably should mention, well, not that at that point, but previously, his Ron's son he was my grade three teacher, and he's a mad keen hunter as well. You were just tied up in it. You had no choice. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it was only getting up one way, but and and a lot of people in the local town too were also probably you know keen hunters as well. So it was just the nature of the area. But um, I just luckily had these this family around me that you know were right into it and. And I sort of followed suit, but um, anyway, Matt was Matt Green was the uh, grade three teacher, and he I knew was a deer hunter. He was the only guy I knew that was a deer hunter, and he used to he was because he was a school teacher. He actually taught up near I think it was Jamison. Yep. Um, and so he knew that area pretty well, and I knew that that was Samba. So I sort of started. I asked Ronnie, "Oh, when's Matt going to be around again?" So I. You know, go to be there at the same time when he was home from school holidays. Perfect. 
and um, I hit him up and said, "Oh, you know, can can you show me the ropes? Can you can we go hunt some samba?" And you know, I, I harassed him a few times, and and I managed to also borrow a three hundred wind mag off Ronnie, which was oh, you didn't muck can- around. You didn't muck around. <laughs> well, yeah, straight to zero to a hundred, <laughs> and and I shot it, and I thought it was an elephant gun. Oh, I bet. I could shoot it okay. Like there was no dramas with, you know, hitting hitting a, a, a coke can at a hundred meters. So yeah, there was no no issues there. It was just I didn't like the noise and the recoil, but <laughs> got the job. So and that's what he had available. He didn't seem to have anything else at that time. I don't know why, but that's what he brought out, and that's what I used. So yeah, pretty good. Caliber. Matt eventually, yeah, yeah, big caliber. But Matt eventually um, took me away up to. Jamison, I think um, he used one of his local contacts, um, and we stayed in this this cabin like on private property. Awesome. But it, it backed onto State Forest, and that's where we were going to hunt. So yep. we get up there, we go in his car. It rains all that day, all that night, and then the morning, like even so much so, the cabin was leaky. Oh shit! So, <laughs> yeah, it was. Some of the gear was a bit wet in the morning and there's drips and water running down the walls. But anyway, I thought, this is awesome. Like, <laughs> Loving every minute. That's right. I'm going to go deer hunting. I don't care if I'm completely saturated. I'm going to go. So anyway, I walk up the hill at the back before the sun comes up. Just as the sun starts coming up, he's like, we'll go into the state forest because there's nothing out on these. It was a, a cattle farm. So there was yep. nothing on flat on the clearings. And he said, we'll go up and do a big circuit and we'll come. It was a meat run, basically, that we were going to do because he had a mate that wanted to make some venison pies or something. So I was like, oh, yeah, that's cool. So anyway, walk 500 metres into the bush. He says, I'll go up this spur, you go up the other one. They were probably about 200 metres apart, but we'll obviously, for safety reasons, just fire in a straight line, you know, not across. Yep. So I walk 500 metres in and I see this brown thing in the bushes. And I'm like, that looks like a deer. And at this stage, all I had was an Auscam shirt, a pair of jeans, and I think a pair of Bluntstones and maybe a backpack. Yep. Nothing. Yep. All, all the fancy stuff, all the stuff you really need. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's right. All the stuff to get you straight. And anyway, I look again. So at this time, I didn't have binoculars either. So I, I look through the scope and I'm like, oh, yeah. It was a deer. It was a samba. So uh, the scope I had on it was probably too high power. I think it was like started at six or something silly <laughs> or as a fixed six, I can't remember. And all I could see was brown. I'm like, oh, that's the big bit behind the front leg. Yep, and then fired and this thing just dropped. It was it was a <laughs> yearling hind. And I was oh. like, oh, 500 metres, these people – the old guys I've been listening to, the friends of Ron, said they don't see, haven't seen a deer sometimes for like five, ten years. <laughs> and then Matt yells out from the other spirit, goes, "What are you shooting at, bloody currawongs?" And I said, "No, I just shot it." I yelled back, "I shot a deer," and he goes, "Bullshit!" And it took him about ten, twenty minutes, and he came over and yeah, shook my hand, and you know, <laughs> pretty, pretty happy moment. Oh, like, that yeah. Yeah, I was, I was like, what are these guys on about? So we literally gutted it and dragged it back down to the fence line and and that was that. But just quickly, Matt ended up and I ended up walking another five kilometres and um, to get his hind and we stood there and we're like, there's 
you know, looking around, we'd walk this long distance and um, we stopped for a chat and I think he went for a, for a wee and anyway, stood there in this, the wind swirling around and next minute you hear this crashing and in front of us was a small rise and this sand behind runs up onto the rise. And in one single motion while he's still going to the bathroom, he pulls these 300 Weatherby off his shoulder and, and drops this, this <laughs> horn while he's still going for a wee. And then I, I said to him, are you right? And he goes, yeah, I got it. And then <laughs> what he was doing and then puts the rifle back on his shoulder. And- <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. This bloke's, this bloke's the god. <laughs> yeah, that's right. They tell you if you go to the bathroom in the bush, you should take take a rifle they, with you. And I get they the say that. They say that. So, yeah, that was that. And we had to carry his five kilometres. And I said, I wish you'd shot yours closer to the track, like so we could just get the car to it. And he just gave me a dirty look and I had to carry one of the legs. (laughs) I'll teach you, you little shit. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. And that was probably the first – that was my first deer hunt. Yep. Um, Were you hooked? Oh, yeah, 100%. Like I had no idea what I was doing. I knew the basics from obviously what we'd spoken about before, hunting rabbits and foxes, you know, get mm. the wind right. Yeah. But it's a complete different species. Oh, yeah. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a, you have to learn another skill set. So I thought, well, why not fast track it as well? I'll get to go with someone and that's done it for a few years. And, yeah, I picked up a fair bit of info from him, but I wouldn't say, you know, you, you pick up everything in one trip. Yeah, for sure. But, um, yeah, so that was that. And then I happened to, back when IndyCar was on up on the Gold Coast, um, that was a long time ago before the V8s came along. Yep. Um, I came up to see my family and went to a barbecue and a, a drunken gentleman at the barbecue um I got talking to him, or we're probably both drunk, but um, <laughs> that's more yeah. likely the story. <laughs> yeah, that's the better. That's probably the correct story. But anyway, the short of the story was he happened to be in the same profession that I'm in, and yeah, right. um, offered me a job. And I thought, when I woke up in the morning, I, was like, I had his business card in my pocket. When I woke up in the morning, I was like, that's oh, probably just you know drunk talk. And um, anyway, I, I got back to work, and in my inbox was a a job offer. Shit. So, yeah, just like that. And I thought the guy was, you know, talking out his bum personally. But when I got back, I saw it there and I was like, oh, okay. He was legit. He yeah. Remembered. So I Done took, better than you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, t- I took that job up here my, when my, I moved back into home at that point. I think I was about 21. Yep. Um, And... In between that time when I shot that first year, I think I shot a, a few more meat animals, nothing, you know, trophy-wise. I wasn't even interested in, you know, antlers at that point. Like if I saw something with antlers, yeah, it's a bonus, but we were more on meat runs basically because we were eating venison and, and other people in the town we grew up in wanted venison because it was a bit of a novelty. There was no deer around. So yeah, be real. We were just shooting meat animals. So anyway, moved moved up to the Gold Coast and unfortunately moved back into home at that point. <laughs> and, and um, of course, the Gold Coast, uh, sort of, you know, at that age, 21, got into the party lifestyle. Go loose fun. for a few years. Yeah, went loose for a few years. Um, 
and then that at that company that guy promoted me up to the sunny coast so i was working at a noosa there started i went to a few gun shops like i hadn't really done much shooting at all i think i just went to the range to keep my eye in yep i didn't do any hunting there's probably a few years there where there was little to no hunting i think i might have flown home and caught up with some people and you know just shot some rabbits or might have gone down for duck opening and um gone away with the guys from the local town and you know shot some ducks there but there wouldn't have been there was not a lot in there and then i I sort of thought nah look i can't be doing what i'm doing i'm spending a lot of money here and and not hunting basically and it it was just starting to eat it yeah i've had my fun yeah i've had my fun still catch up with mates but not to the extent of the probably the money i was spending and the time <laughs> i was into it you know so i started looking around and and trying to work out because deer was my thing because i i really was interested in after shooting them down south and so it was almost like relearning how to walk i guess again because yeah, yep. you're in another state there's another set of rules i had to change all my paperwork over um and and go through the hurdles with queensland police and and do all that <laughs> which is not overly too hard but you know it's just a it's more stuff. yeah that's right and they have their own and differences um like for instance um in victoria you can travel with the bolt in the rifle yep. but up here you've got to take it out mm-hmm. so there's always you get to the farm gate and there's some like a deer looking straight at you <laughs> and you're like well you know, if I was in Victoria, that, that thing might be He in was trouble, in trouble. But, <laughs> but here in Queensland, he's pretty safe. So yeah, unless yeah. you a pump action or a lever action. But, um, yeah, so little things like that. And then I started doing my homework and probably started using Google Maps a fair bit. Um, what was your main focus at the – like you jumping into maps, but you're probably going to say this anyway, but what sort of – what do you species did you sort of think of – to start with once you got to Queensland, once you you thought you'd get back into hunting, what, what was your focus at that point? Uh, be red deer, to be honest, yep. because obviously uh, Brisbane Valley original release, uh, I think the Queen gave some deer to the state of Queensland and the original release was up near Esk there in the yep. Brisbane Valley. Yep. And uh, you'd, you'd learnt that just sort of through your movement span at Noosa and that, you'd sort of you'd come across yeah, all that info? Yeah, talking to people, yeah. Yep. Just... Um, like there's obviously a couple of different valleys, but the, the Brisbane Valley is the closest one yep. um, to Brisbane. But, um, yeah, that's sort of um, – well, I'd done my research there. But it happened so happened to be that I went on a job um, and did an inspection, a part of my job, and I got talking to this older gentleman and – he was fixing a clay target machine at the time when I rocked up to their house. And I was like, oh, okay. So I'll do do my job and then I'll talk to him for 10 minutes afterwards about what he's up to, you know. And um, sort of was talking to him at the same time. So sounded him out, um, you know, see if he was grumpy or not <laughs> to begin with. But he was, he was all right because um, he obviously wanted something off me and, and, and I wanted to talk to him as well. So as part of my job, yeah, so um, – Anyway, I got talking to him about the clay target machine. I said, oh, so do you, you know, I'm not a sort of newish up here. Have you, um, you know, you got a property or you just shoot that for fun? You're shooting clays for fun? He goes, oh, no, I've got a farm up the Brisbane Valley. Um, we, we call it loosely a farm, but it's pretty much just 
wild. Um, I think there's 10 cows on them or something like that, and they shoot deer. So I was like, oh, okay. I'd just rubbing your hands together. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like, well, it just seems to be the old right place, right time yeah, sort of thing massively. in life and hunting at the same time, you know. So I thought, well, I'll just say to him, you know, I'm new up here. Um, if, if you could, would you be be able to take me out, whether it's just clays or something else, you know, because I'm a keen shooter as well and more hunter. And he goes, oh, I'll just – I'll give you my son's number because he's the one that, you know, that's who's, whose house it was I'd happened to go to and he was just there because his son was at work. Got you. And um, he said, oh, I'll, give, I'll give you my son's number. You can give him a call and he, if, if he's interested, he'll invite you around to the house for a couple of drinks. So I was like, oh, okay, righto. So I, I didn't want to – it's like the old date thing, you know, you don't ring him straight away. So I waited <laughs> a few days to play cool after that and then I – I rang him and he said, yeah, yeah, come round and um, when you're round, I'll show you my trophy room. So um, went round there and we happened to drink the same spirit. So that that sort of helped as well. Um, so I took a bottle of that and he's, he, him and his father and sister had happened to hunt around the world. So I think they've got moose. Uh, they've got everything from moose down to red deer locally. So they've sort of been, been around a fair bit and bears and stuff like that so they've um done a fair bit of hunting so anyway in the the short of the story was i, I got invited up to their farm and um they said that i could shoot a, a red deer and so uh went up to this farm during the the rut and saw something with antlers like i went with his son and walked around and he, we sort of got a bit separated for a bit and anyway seen these two deer uh, stags with antlers, red deer. And I was like, oh, okay, that's got antlers. I'll just shoot it because I was used to shooting meat animals and shooting samba, yep. just taking them for meat. So I was like, oh, that, that looks big to me. <laughs> and so shot this red deer and he's like, oh, it's probably about a three-year-old. It's, we probably should have shot something a bit bigger. And I was like, oh, okay. So I, I was excited <laughs> but a bit deflated at the same time. So. <laughs> But, you know, I was like, well, you know, that was really probably the biggest deer that I'd shot at that point in time. We're probably saying I was probably about 23, 24 at that time. I'm now 35. So, you know, it's a a few years ago. But that, anyway, I luckily got, he said you could come back and shoot again because they seem to have a bit of a system where they only shoot X amount of stags a year and they take out X amount of animals. I think it's part of a quality deer thing that they maybe possibly have or just try to manage the herd a bit yeah. better. Yeah, But um, anyway, so I think it was Anzac Day one year. I'd, I'd gone away that um, – gone away with them for that long weekend and there was nothing really on their property. I think there'd been actually a couple of poachers that had jumped the fence, which is a bit of a common theme up in the Brisbane Valley. But mm. um, that had spooked a lot of the deer in their area. So we went to a neighbouring farm. And I went with his father who I think he's about 60-something, 70 possibly. Um, we went hunting along and anyway, came across a mob of hinds and he said he's pretty knowledgeable. He's like, just wait. We'll just wait off and see what – because it was just coming to the end of the, the raw rut. So we'll see what comes through. Anyway, sure, sure enough, a, a 10-pointer comes through um, following him up and – we happened to be sort of, oh, I think we we're probably twenty meters away from it at this point in time, <laughs> and 
this this hind knew something wasn't right. She, yeah. The wind was in their favour, but and we were hiding behind a couple of rocks in this paddock, or scrub. It was more bush than paddock, but she started doing the. I think she was the more senior hind. Started moving forwards and doing a bit of a stomp, and I'm like, oh, it's gonna all be over. We could see his antlers, but I couldn't see his body around the lantana. I'm like, she's gonna give us up. And he's sort of looking as well. Anyway, this stag comes around the corner and jabs her up the bum and pushes her along and kicks her off. <laughs> she was going to find us. Like, there was yeah. no way. Yeah. She was on to us and she was going to come all the way down to that rock and the, she would have sent it us. Anyway, and that, so that, that was his undoing basically because they fed out to about 50 metres and I used that same 300 wind mag again and and shot him. And that was my first ever trophy i got taxidermy so everything since then would probably been well like i just got the skull caps like gotcha and and then they're small animals like they were samba and stuff and that other red but that 10 pointer to me was the first one i was so excited i got him took him to the taxidermist you know did the work we luckily could get the land cruiser and they had a tilt tray so we actually recovered the whole carcass because um we wanted the meat as well um and yeah so that was the first 10 point red was the first um, deer I shot that I got mounted on the wall. And it's probably the thing that started feeding into the whole uh, <laughs> the Aussie, Aussie, you know, slam that yep. everyone that, that wants to achieve at some point. Um, but yeah, so it went from there. And then I thought I, I did a few years with them helping them out, helped them build a cabin up on their property. And that was sort of, you know, I'd put in work and do that. Yep. And submitted your foot there. Yeah, it helped out with that. and But then I thought I would really love my own place that I could go whenever I want. Like mm-hmm. I don't like relying on others or, yep. you know, uh, being spoon-fed by others. So I thought, well, I'd love to get my own place even if I could just shoot, go and shoot cans or something, you know. So um, at that time I'd just met my now wife um, actually through – where we worked, um, believe it or not. But, um, yeah, then she'd never shot a gun at this point, so I introduced her into into shooting and we went – actually, one of our first dates, we probably went to the range. <laughs> and she completely obliterated this feral cat target. I think it's got about 10 holes in its head and I didn't even tell her to aim there, like, <laughs> at 50 metres. And I was like, oh, I saw her shoot that. I'm like, oh, this one's marriage material straight <laughs> But I Amongst all other things, like, yes, like, that was yeah, yeah, one point yeah, for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I was like, oh, she can shoot. I might be able to <laughs> press the in the safe, you know? Like, I've got more oh. stuff. Not that when I was single, you know, or uh, dating, you don't need an excuse. But, you know, it, it was like, oh, she can buy some guns for her as well. So, <laughs> um, yeah, she sort of probably spurred me on to um, getting out and about and, I did a lot of homework again on Google and there's little breadcrumbs like for people, probably tip for people starting out is there's always something on Google or the internet somewhere you can look up and someone will have seen a deer somewhere. So it it sort of leads to a starting point if you want to do your research to that level. So you're like, oh, okay, depending on the species and, you know, they might be there at a certain time of year, they might not be, they might be there year or all year Mm -hmm. round. Mm -hmm. But it's it's a starting point. So that's 
what I started doing. And at the same time, the R license came out in New South Wales. Yep, at yep. That point, after the um, big push to get that, eventually got that over the line. So I signed up for that because um, I thought, well, if I can get into some of these public lands like in Victoria, albeit it's a bit harder than just walking in like you do down south, as you probably know. You yeah, can just yeah. rock up and go hunting as long as it's it's okay to go to that forest. But, um, yeah, so I started doing that and went to a couple of forests in New South Wales uh, and really didn't have much success. I yep. saw deer on the way to the state forest, <laughs> like literally as you drive, yep. you can eagerly shoot or on the way home, like close to home, I'd see them or something. And it's like, well, I just drove two hours, three hours, four hours, hours, whatever it was to just see them, you know, an hour from home. But they knew that was safe and that's probably why the deer were out at that point when I drove past. But um, that's probably another story. But, um, yeah, so I started doing my homework that way and I used the state forest as a stepping stone in my head. I said, okay, I'm – you know, I'm, I'm not doing too good here at this, but we know that there's deer in the area, there's deer yep. sign. Yep. So let's work out from there and then proceed towards my end goal of having my own access. Yep. So started door knocking from there and basically burning diesel and, and, and getting a hell of a lot of no's for that. And I told myself, you, you're going to get – because I knew as a kid I used to do it as well to get mm-hmm. places to shoot rabbits and foxes and whatnot. Yep. You're going to get a hell of a lot of no's because you know you don't know anyone in the area. They don't feel comfortable with letting you on if they don't know you. And, and for starters, I had Queensland number plates. Mm-hmm. So in another state, New South Wales, they're just going to be like, you're you're a weirdo from out of town. Why should <laughs> what, I trust you? What are you, you? doing? <laughs> yeah, like and, – and so – I would tell them the truth. I'd just say, look, I've been hunting in state forest X, Y, Z. I had no luck, but I noticed there was a bit of deer sign going into your place. Would you give me a go? And and you've literally probably got with a farmer because they've, they've got a, they've got stuff to do. Yep. They don't want to be sitting shooting the bread. Well, some do, but majority don't. But yep. they'll tell you in the first 30 seconds whether you're going to get a Guernsey or not. They're going to yep. say – Nah, piss off or okay, yeah, keep talking, I'm interested. Yep, yep. And you so, gotta you gotta try and read that too, because you can piss people off right. real quick. <laughs> yeah. And 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 you I look at it this way is their time's important. Yeah. Like they are stopping whatever they're doing to talk to you if you've happened to run past them in the paddock or whatnot, or they're having lunch at home and that's when you've caught them at home. Like they've probably got something to do so you've got to read that situation and if you, you're getting vibes that they're not interested they're not interested so just respect the no and just keep moving so there was probably oh look i probably spent a good oh years probably i'd hate to even think two three four years maybe more it's a bit of a blur but um kept hunting those state forests and and trying my luck and just expanding out further and further um, and, and eventually one farmer said, yes, um, it was a road we hadn't been down. We did this big loop and it was the last house, um, near one of the main roads. And I was pretty disheartened like, cause we would spend most weekends doing this driving and picking, yep. I'd pick the route. She'd come along as 
wing woman, wing man, whatever you want to call it. Moral support. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But we, we'd also tie a hunt in with that as well. Yeah, Usually yeah. pick a different state forest and she'd come along and I'd take the rifle and check it out. have luck or not luck. Yeah, that's right. So we'd make something out of it. But it was good to get away and go camping and hunting yep. and whatever. Anyway, this one farmer, he looked us up and did. Well, actually, I sat in the car. I'll admit it. I sat in the car because I was. I'd already asked about six people that morning, and my wife went out. And at that time, she'd also got a gun license as well, just due to timing. And you know, we'd been to the range, and I said, "You probably should get it." And she said, "Oh yeah, I'll go. Okay, then why not?" Uh, it was she was my girlfriend at that point, not my wife yet. But um, anyway, she went out, and this farmer's on the veranda looking. Going, I'm like, I wonder what these weirdos are doing. She just went, <laughs> said to him, and said, "Oh, look, we're in whatever." She said, "I think from what she told me, she said, oh, we're just interested in doing some pest control. Would you be interested in letting us on?'" And he he looked her up and down, and and looked at the car with me in it, and he goes, "You got a gun license?" And she goes, yeah, both of us do, and we've got insurance as part of the, you know, uh, state forest hunting. You've got to yep. have um, some sort of um, membership with 20 mil public liability. And she goes, oh, we've got insurance as well as part of a membership. And, and he goes, oh, okay, here's my number. Call me back in a couple of weeks and, and we'll talk about it. <laughs> so I was like, whoa, okay. So I gave her a high five, she jumped in the car. <laughs> and, um, we left, oh. and I, I legitimately left it for the two weeks. Yep. And, and he'd, when I rang him, he totally forgot. But he said, no, no, um, I'm out of town at the moment, but if you drive down this road, you can stay in my shearing shed. It's got power. It's got water. It's got a toilet. Um, I own this site because there's a road that runs through the middle of the his property, but it, he goes, I own this side and I own this side. You can drive up to here without giving, obviously, too many, you know, key indicators of where it might be. But you can go up here, down here. Um, I've got dogs, pigs. I don't have any deer. Um, you might see a goat, you know. It's well. free reign. So I, I actually went down by myself because it was actually summertime at that point. It, was about, it gets about 30, 35 degrees. Yep. And I walked through the hills. I saw nothing, but I was, it was more to familiarise myself. What was going on? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wanted to catch up with him, but he rang me as I was halfway there saying, oh, I'm not going to – I'm not oh, – sorry, spewing. I'm not going <laughs> but, but I trust you enough that you can go stay in my shearing shed and, yep. you know, shoot on my property. So, you know, kicking goals. But um, fast forward this part, um, I've been shooting for him now for five, six years, or me and my wife have. Awesome. Um been shooting him five, six years. He trusts us. And I said to him probably 12 months ago, um, have you got any – because farmers are all know each other. and All linked up. Goes, yeah, that's right. They all know what someone's doing down the road and what someone hasn't got and what are they up to. So I just thought, oh, I'll just ask him. Um, like I'd been doing a bit of deer hunting in, in between – yeah. Then and there, and I've got a few other properties at the same time, um, a couple up in the Brisbane Valley, but you know, nothing consistent with deer. Anyway, I said to him, Have you know anyone around here that's got a deer problem? And he goes, Oh, yeah, come to think of it, I do. Um, such and such down about 45 minutes down the road, he just keeps getting eaten out by fallow deer, oh. like every time, yeah, and every time he 
gets a bit of green grass, they just come in and he's got cattle. So yep. from my understanding, they eat at a different height, the deer to the cattle. Yep. So anything green that comes up these fallow deer just come in and chew it to pieces. They do. Um, so I was like, oh, beauty, can I get his number or how do you want to do it? And he goes, oh, I'll ring him first. And, um, Perfect. Yeah, I'll, I'll tee it up. But farmers being farmers, no time frames. <laughs> uh, I reckon it was a good three months before yep. I actually got the guy's number and got to talk to him after he worded him up. Yep. And anyway, he said, come straight down. I, I, I need someone. I need someone that I trust and I know that, the farmer that you're shooting for wouldn't give me an idiot. So I here. trust you. Come down, introduce yourself, but bring your rifle. Don't come without a rifle because mm-hmm. um, I want you to shoot straight away. Yeah. So jumped in the car. I think I went by myself the first time just as the introduction because I, I, um, at this point, obviously now my wife and I, we've got a almost four-year-old and a, an almost one-year-old, so she's got her hands full and it's a bit hard to hunt the year when you have kids of that age because they just yell all the time um but anyway so i went down and and sure as hell it was only 900 acres and i was like okay well it's a stepping stone again let's yep yep let's work on this get on it's that's right let's work on this get this guy's trust he will talk to his neighbors there's bigger farms around but he's got deer and he wants them gone and it's free like yep. you're not paying and I've never paid to shoot deer like obviously in this situation when it's just for meat. Like I, I yeah, I just like to go and shoot stuff and do someone a favour and, and he doesn't even ask for a bottle of wine. So he's just like, you're doing me a favour, don't worry yep. about it. Yep. So anyway, I went there. I think we shot um, – the first time I went I only shot one but then we started shooting more and more once we worked the place out because it's, it's up on top of a plateau. Okay. Uh, there's a heap of gorges around it and they come up from this thick gorge country onto this green lush plateau. Yeah, right. And just and it's got water up there too, so they come for the water. And yeah, so just shooting mean animals. Um anyway, one time I went down and he was down at a set of cattle yards near his house and all the other neighbours were down there too. Oh. And one of them yeah, like perfect. <laughs> Couldn't it again? He couldn't have written so it every like, better. Couldn't have written it better. Went down and the, the farmer's wife said, no, he's down at the yards. Go down this road. It's like 200 metres from the end of the gate. I was like, oh, okay, yep. Went down there. Um, off, I had a mate with me at this point in time and we offered to help them with the cattle because we're like, oh, look, the sooner he does that, then he's, you know, we can help yep. him out and we'll get to talk to some people as well. So anyway, this um, – one of the farmers says, said to me, he goes, what are you guys down for? And, uh, and we said we're here to shoot some deer for the freezer. And he goes, well, don't worry about his pissy place. Come to my place. I've got I've got more of a chance of you shooting deer than on his place. And it, was, it sort of became a bit of a pissing competition, so yep. to speak. So I said, oh, okay. And he goes, here's my number. Didn't even have to ask for it. Here's oh. my number. Next time you're down, ring me. And I was like, oh, okay. Righto. So that was good. And I didn't ask him any specifics, you know, we yep. just kept working on cattle and moving them through, helping them move them through. And they obviously thought we were, you know, genuine people because we stopped to help them instead of just piss off and go hunting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so um, anyway, fast forward again, and that's um, probably leading into where <laughs> I got 
the big red deer. So um, people, like just anyone that's probably listening, don't give up because you've got a place that just has, you know, maybe kangaroos, foxes, rabbits. Like it, it's probably a six-year process and I've eventually got to shooting this this big red deer. But, you know, don't give up is probably the story. And uh, don't be afraid to get a lot of no's before you get yeses because – it could, you know, not everyone is born into a family with farmers. And as we were saying before, a lot of kids these days don't didn't have the luxury that we have. And I'd say there's probably a lot of people in cities and around cities that are interested in hunting, hunting, and they, are, you know, they're going to go in cold turkey. Yeah. But, but like that, what I explained to you worked for me. Yeah. Uh, the the state forest homework. Um, yeah, or a region and work from there and. Just quickly with that too, if I didn't see someone, I put something in their letterbox so they know I wasn't like scoping the joint out or yeah, anything. Like that's that. a good like little point. I, just put a, I, I put a little thing saying, hi, my name's Ben. I just swung past your joint. It was a typed up letter. I signed it, but yep. it had my mobile number on it. Believe it or not, I actually got, I probably put out about 30 of those or more. I can't even remember. But one person rang back about two years later and said, Oh, I've been meaning to call you. I've got a wild, <laughs> yeah, I've got a wild dog problem. So I ended up picking up like I was up to four properties, I think, at this point. And that was in the Brisbane Valley, and it turns out they got a wild dog problem, but they've also got a deer problem as well. <laughs> they didn't even know about. It, so. Yeah, yep. Um, well, that, mate, that, I, I didn't even have to prompt or anything there. I mean, I know we sort of, you know, half sort of worked up there the other night, but I think. You know, there's a lot to take from from the information you've just provided. You know, there's there's a little bit of persistence, there's a little bit of uh, politeness. You know, to to the to the owners and a little bit of strategy as well, I suppose you could say. And I um I jumped on another podcast there, uh, just going back a week or so ago, and I was asked these exact questions. And you know, I, I said to them, you know, what, what's wrong with starting? And it's funny you say the same thing. You know, what's wrong with starting with a, bro- a block that's just got rabbits and foxes on it? Like, you know, since when do we have to go and, you know, shoot something to the example that you're just about to give us, you know? And um, I think starting from the, you know, as you did, you, you went to 900 acres and then, you know, over time it, it builds. You just got to keep, keep that relationship rolling. That's right. Because at the end of the day, you're getting hunting and beggars can't be choosers that's how i see it yep yep um you've basically you get what i see it is you get what you're given and you work from there and and if all your stars align then it ends up where where we're going to get to shortly but yeah so that's what i kept persisting with persistence it doesn't happen overnight it doesn't happen in 15 minutes like like you said i'll probably fly under the radar a bit but I just like to get stuff done and, and yeah. have, you know, things in the background working on it. And then, like as you've probably seen, I might have popped up out of nowhere with this red deer, but there's a bit of background to it. Yeah. I mean, you and I have got a, you know, we've, we've obviously got a mutual friend or, you know, mm. that we talk to. And um, so we're, we've, we've chatted for a little while. But, yeah. you know, I, I just, I appreciate you having a, a strategy. And, and I'm not trying to piss in your pocket, but, you know, having a strategy without expectation. You know, yeah. you, you're thankful for to to you know get an opportunity, and and you worked on it for how many years? You said you know four or five years. Yeah. You know, just belting a few deer, and you know, I've got to be honest. You know, having 
you know, you obviously been a rifle hunter versus, you know, obviously me being a bow hunter. That is a that is something that we do come up against as bow hunters because a lot of the farmers look at that as, well, that's just a sport to you. It's not actually helping me with my problem. Even though that we can obviously, you know, we can take numbers, but I think the rifles kind of looked at it as if it, it is a population control you know, very quickly in their eyes. So, farmer, farmer mentality too. Yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm struggling to find the right word there. But, yeah. you know, they look at it as if, well, you can just get the job done and that's what I need in this point. Like, I'm not happy. Mm-hmm. I'm not here just to, you know, fill your weekends up and on a, on a hunting trip, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, I think too that um, obviously I, I – don't distinguish when it comes to hunting. Like, I don't like separating out bow hunters. No, no. Uh, I, and I, I don't either. Like, you know, hunting's hunting to me. But in a farmer's yeah. eyes, yeah. Uh, when they're trying to control numbers, you know, versus the feed and those kind of things, mm. you can see where they probably look at the, the rifle a little bit more favourable. But you could also, if you were going to look for access as a bow hunter, say, well, look, I'm not going to spook as much game and push them around because I'm not adding that extra noise. Yep. Yep, I was um, going to throw you know, that in. There's positives and negatives that both go in there, you know. Yeah, yep. Uh, rifles, you got distance, but you got the offset with that is the noise. Yeah. So everything's going to know you're around, whereas bows, you get in nice and close, it's quiet. Um, you know, you're not pushing animals around so much, I wouldn't think. Yeah, and um, look, and I'm bringing these up because I want to – I want people to hopefully, you know, maybe grab something out of this, especially the the guys mm. starting out, because it is bloody tough. And yeah. I've got to say, I know you're going to back me up on this one, but you know, the hot areas that people already know about, you know, steer away from them because those poor farmers mm. are getting letters, they're getting phone calls every night of the week, right. and they yeah. cannot stand it, you know. And uh, yeah, it's um, doing what you do, get it, do your homework, do your research. There's plenty of places right. out there. Yeah, you don't have to follow everyone else down the beaten track. Like there's deer in a lot of places that people wouldn't even think about or just game in general. Yeah, game, yep, yep. Let's just look at it as a whole. Like you don't all have to go straight to the same region because everyone else is doing it. And like you said, there are places where they're getting phone calls every night. Um, It's in the letterbox, people parking at their front gate. Yep. Um, That's the more obvious places. But – Again, and it probably leads into the sort of red, the sort of areas that I'm hunting. I sort of uh, that mutual friend I, I have hunted with him, and he has also shown me a lot in regards to pig hunting and um, fallow and reds, which I appreciate. You know, he's sort of shown me a bit as well. But I have moved away from there to get my own access. Yep. Um, purely because, yeah, a lot of people are doing the same thing. Like I've even heard stories from him saying that farmers changed their, their numbers because yeah. they were just getting relentless phone calls and disconnected their home number and just kept it mobile. Um, <laughs> Crazy. You know, it, yeah, and it was like Burke Street during the run, <laughs> some of them with people just jumping their fences, you know, <sighs> not respecting that. Yeah, but anyway, I sort of – digressing i'll cut back on to the no you're right the, thing, the key to the story is don't give up and do your own homework like yeah you can get information from other hunters but if it's probably going to be that straightforward there's probably going to be a lot of other people that are going to be doing the same thing yeah for sure and then you're going to get pissed off farmers that'll just say no to your face but mm. you know persistence is the key and eventually you'll get to where you want if you put in the time and the work something does these things don't come overnight yeah definitely as you probably know so um 
But anyway, I'll, I'll might as well jump in. Yeah, too. jump in. So a re- little recap, you know, you, you obviously you got access in the region and you've gone mm. to the yards. Um, you know, you, you're obviously just in the right place at the right time once again, which, you know, you've done that effort. You've That's that's not just luck. That's You've worked for that luck. Mm. Um, so you've sort of spoken to this guy. Um, did you go straight? Like did, it took a little while to get back onto him or did you, you head uh, straight yeah, down there or? Just due to things going on with the, um, like I think we were social weekends or something in there and I'd be chomping at the bit to get down. But I'd managed to lock down, like my wife, she's a good wife. She lets me go. She understands that because my job's high stressful, I do need to get out. Get away. Yeah, because I, I do work in the city. I drive an hour at least in traffic every day, each way, one way, and then an hour back. And then, um, yeah, I'm dealing with people in multiple states anyway, sort of and anywhere from 100 emails plus to 60 phone calls a day um, in that day. So she <laughs> realizes, like fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and she realizes I have to get away. So I, I'm thankful for that, that she does give me time to get away on weekends. And so I'll usually um, either try to do a long weekend or, or take off late Friday night and get down get down to one of these farms or go to one of these farms, you know, and set up swag at night and set the alarm for first thing in the morning. Got ya. But um, I teed up with the, the farmer. I said, look, it's the first time I'll come. I'll come with that mutual friend of ours. I'll, I'll go with him. Um, yep. And we'll go for a drive around and he can show us the property. So I teed up both farmers at the same time, to tell you the truth. I went to the 900 acres, did what I had to do there because it's literally like next door. So I, I did what I did there and then rang up old mate and he said, well, we'll go for a drive and I'll just show you around the boundaries this time. Yep. So anyway, uh, short of the story was I've earned his trust and I've, I've been back about five other times since then um, and he had did have a lot more fallow but he also has reds in his country and I was like, oh, this is good because, <laughs> you know, like it's one thing to shoot. You might shoot, what, two, three fallow for one, the same amount of meat when you bone them out for a red, I suppose, you know, depending on the size of the animal and what they've been eating. So yeah, yep. reds are better and it, for meat anyway and also, you know, trophies as well. I personally prefer shooting reds because that was one of the first deer I shot when I moved to Queensland. But Yeah, sure. Um, anyway, his country looked really good and there's pigs there as well So and goats. So it was like, oh, okay. This is pretty good. So um, I, this was probably we're leading into – so it's pre-rut. March, but, um, February. Yeah, about march late end of March. And that's this year? That's this year, yep, yeah. so you're straight into it, yep. Straight into it. I'd already been like as many weekends as I could before that and, yep. and shot a bunch of rabbits and a few pigs and some meat animals as well. So it's like, oh, okay, these guys are good. You know, got his confidence. Yeah, and I said, "Oh, can I come and hunt during, or you know, coming up to the rut? Because there's actually, believe it or not, there's another incumbent hunters. There's a couple of them that come, and I respected that there was other people going, and they go at a certain uh, time through the year. So I was like, um, can I come before they come? Like, because he sort of knows when they're going to come. Um, yep. Anyway, and he said, yeah. yeah they're not going to be there that weekend. Like I think they only go three times a year or something. Uh And um, he goes, you can come down, do what you want, just 
camp where you ever you want. And uh, he actually offered me the house, but I didn't want to impose, like stay with him in his ha- yeah, own for house. Sure. I didn't want to impose or be, you know, right there with him. I thought, oh, I like the outdoors anyway. So um, my mate Gus that I mentioned, my childhood friend, the Hubba Bubba guy, um, we <laughs> – does, <laughs> does he know that? <laughs> yes, he does know. Good, good. He's probably going to listen to this and, and be like, yeah, he owes me about 10 packets of Hubba Bubba. But, uh, I'll have to go and find some of those purple ones. Um he lives in Victoria still. Um, he is a mad keen fisherman and also hunter as well. Um, so he goes, oh, I want to come up. I want to go deer shooting. And I said, well, look, I've got the right place. And I'd only literally the trip before put trail cameras out there. Yep. So I didn't um, – I'd, I'd seen red hinds. I'd seen fallow bucks, but, you know, just sparkers. If you don't mind me asking, how many horns you'd seen? Reds. Yeah. Um, probably seen about oh, 10. Yeah. But they all had fawns. So, that, so you're like, there's a boy somewhere. Yeah, that's right. I'm like, and they're going to be coming into heat soon because they've dropped their fawns and they'll be ready to cycle again. So, so I want to yeah. break that down a little bit again. Um, yeah. Just say, just to hold the story out a bit longer. Um, yeah. What gave you, at, at this point in time, so you, You've lined up this weekend, but what gave you the confidence that you're going to like you potentially were going to see or find a stack? Um, pretty much the red hinds and the type of terrain. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you just putting the pieces together, so to speak. Yeah, putting the jigsaws together from what I'd learned previously off um, our mutual friend John. John. Yep. And also the other gentleman who took me to his farm up in the Brisbane Valley. Yep. Although it's a different state, the behaviour of the animals are fairly sim- similar. Still, like, still, still red deer. Yeah. Yep. So they're, they're creatures of habit from what I could tell. So I was like, mm-hmm. it just happened to be it's one on this particular farm, there's a really high peak and it's bushy. And I was like, I've seen a lot of sign. I did walk around it. Yeah. Um, seen a lot of red sign because it. Do you see rub? Do you see rubs and stuff? Or. Well, there was that was the thing. I went with John, and he's like, "Oh, there's not much sign here," and I'm like, "I oh, know it's a bit sort of disheartening." And that yeah, was probably- that's probably what I'm trying to get. I'm trying to probably I'm trying to pick at you because I'm trying to get what you were, what was going through you. I know you're excited because obviously mm. you, you knew something was there, like you obviously had a gut feeling, but I guess I'm probably trying to put that piece together where someone's got access to a block, done the hard work like you did, but what keeps you – you've seen hind, so obviously that's that's kind of a good thing, but we know what they can yeah. do, they can move, but generally speaking, hinds will stay. You've, yeah. seen, you've seen fawns or car or you know, whatever that you want to say. The year, yeah, they should stay because yeah. like I do – Later in the year, they will travel when the fawns get big enough. But yeah, that's usually yeah. Po- so I'm just trying to pick apart what you were sort of feeling at the time. Like, well, there wasn't much sign, and to tell you the honest truth, the farmer had, uh, like, I'd I'd seen footprints. I hadn't seen much rubs or old rubs. There was the old odd one that you could see was a red rub because it looks completely different to the the fallow sort of stuff. But there was nothing I'd go, wow, that is a massive rub. Mm-hmm. It was all pissy little stringy old gum, little gum tree saplings that had just been stripped up and down, just doing the old scent one, not destroying it or anything like that. I was like, oh, that's a red rub, but, you know, it's really not selling it for me. I've seen bigger ones in the Brisbane Valley. So, you know, we're 
they rub up whole trees. But yep. um, the, the one thing that really stood out was the farmer said to me, and you ha- I took it with a pinch of salt, he said, I was looking out my kitchen window one morning, this is the farmer's words, and I had a bunch of cows in the paddock and I thought, there's not supposed to be a bull in that paddock. And he said it was first thing in the morning and he rubbed his eyes and he looked again and it was a red stag in the paddock with the cows. Yep, right. And he, and, and, but he, farmers being farmers, they, yep. he said it was big, right? He said it was big, but farmers being farmers, I, I, he's not a, a trophy hunter. He's not a, a hunter at all, really. It's If he shoots, it's just for culling purposes. Yeah, yeah. So he, yeah, he's got nothing on his walls at home. He sort of, he just said it was big. And I was like, okay, well, I'll take this with a pinch of salt, but. Looking at the numbers of the hinds here, there has to be something, and that they're hanging around because there's good feed and the the, the big hill. Um, there has to be something here. Whether it's going to be bigger than Brisbane, who knows? Mm-hmm. Than my ten pointer, um, I, I don't know, but I, I'm willing to persist because I've persisted to this point. So why not keep going yeah, keep and see going. what's there? And, and that's why I put the trail cameras out too, because I was like, I'll get these cameras out, and at least. If I can check the cameras, um, you know, it might give me some hope as well. Like I know there's fallow there and fallow bucks. I've seen a few casties and they were they were all right, but I really was interested in seeing this big red, as he called it. <laughs> so um, Gus flies up. I pick him up um, from the airport in Brisbane here and we go to where we got to go to go, down to that farm, and we set up camp, set the alarm. Oh, we had a few cans around the fire as a catch-up and then – uh, burning the candle at both ends, went to bed pretty late, but then got up early. Um, <laughs> as we do. As you do, but like when you catch up, you know, it's different on the phone, face to face. I thought, well, we might as well stay up and have a few drinks. Um, and anyway, like not a serious amount that you're going to be incapacitated <laughs> the next day, but enough to have a conversation. But anyway, so we got up um, and I'd already sort of sussed out the property and sort of which is the best ways to go to maximise the terrain. Yep. Um, and, and the wind was terrible. It was absolutely terrible. One minute it's it's coming, it's it's going towards me. The next you can feel it on the back of your neck. And, and I, to be honest, um, was trying to get up into this timbered uh, hill country. Yeah. Because I thought the, the open flats, all that was first thing in the morning. The wind was just bad, and anything we did see, like we happened to see a boar that was about sixty kilos, and I said to him. If you're gonna shoot him, you better shoot him now because he's gonna, yeah. yeah, he's gonna bugger off. And it, just as I said, now, before Gus could even get the rifle off his shoulder, it was already gone. Yep, like that's yep. how bad the and it was probably about 120 meters away. So he was he just disappeared into a bunch of blackberries and we never saw him again, which is probably good because it's leading into where we're getting to. So anyway, we and and the circuit that I normally walks about, I reckon probably eight to nine kilometers long that yeah, I sort right. of on this property and so I pretty much power walked but kept <laughs> inside the timber line just to try and get some sort of breeze to work yep. and then slow down where I thought it was good deer country and and we did see deer but the wind had already changed and they it was just fallow um they'd bug it off so we sat we got close to where I first saw um big red and we sat down and had a bit of smoko and discussed what we were going to do and, you know, had had just talking about the wind, how bad the wind was and it wasn't in our favour and it wasn't to be our day. 
And and to tell you the truth, I was trying to get Gus a foul over because he hasn't yep. got a foul over. So I was pretty much looking for him, wasn't that interested. Um, yeah, then we went up in through this timbered country and for whatever reason, and like you were talking about before about luck, for whatever reason the track splits in two and I decided to, I said to Gus, I've never been up this track because I honestly hadn't, um, this bulldoze track, why don't we go up there? And he goes, yeah, okay. And the funny pointer at that crossroad was there was a fresh red rub, but it was only again on one of these small saplings. <laughs> and it was like, uh, yeah, okay, this is looking all right. And then I looked up the hill and I could see a few more, but they're only probably like two centimetre, just long stringy, rubs that's how thick the little yep. uh, eucalyptus was and it's just rubbing on that so it was i'd say it was him and he's obviously just making his mark as he goes along and it's in country where the farmer really doesn't go i don't think these other incumbent hunters go in there because i think they're mainly vehicle born they don't really yep. walk much i'm not too sure anyway I walk up the track 20 meters and i see two red hinds plain as day up because it's where the hill starts rising, this big hill starts rising up and it's timbered. But I picked out these two reds. I said, there's two, I said, Gus, Gus, there's two deer there. Let's, we're walking up the track because it's the lazy route. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like we, it's still uphill, but it's the, it's blackberries on either side. Yeah. So I was like, we'll just go straight up the guts. We won't stalk through the blackberries because that's probably just going to end in a world of pain even though there could be some animals in there we'll just go up the track and anyway saw these red hinds and then we started doing the two-step shuffle to the side to get off the track without making it too obvious (laughs) and they didn't see us and the wind was still good because i think the hill was sort of yeah it was consistent anyway um we go another i think 20 meters up the hill diagonally from them, but they're they're still probably 250 metres away when we first saw them. So we come across and then there's more hinds start appearing. It was on a bench above a dam that um, the farmer had told me there was a dam up there and I could see the dam wall. And um, that was obviously the first two hinds, so the more senior ones were walking through. and then there happened to be a bunch. I think there was about six all up. And then next minute, this uh, well, I couldn't see his antlers, but I see this big body coming yep. up the back, sniffing up the arse end of a hind. And I said to Gus, there's a stag. Game on. And game on. I said, But I said to him before the trip, if we see a red stag, it's mine. You can have <laughs> as many fellow bucks as you want, but I, I you know. I've worked for this. Red. Yeah, this is sort of going to. If it pans out, it's going to be the you know all the hard work and the diesel and the nose and the it's all going to be that's the semblance of like that's it that's you know what I'm working towards anyway. Even though the trip was about Gus, <laughs> <laughs> sort of <laughs> getting, getting his first hour, but it just sidetracked because we seen red. So anyway, he walks across this clearing and of course up on this bench oh. again about 250 meters away. Stops and props with a tree right on his vitals. But I still hadn't got my gun off my shoulder at this point in time because I was looking through the binoculars because I'm like, well, I don't want to shoot something smaller than what I've already got. I don't see the point in that. Yep. So I will have a look. Anyway, he is he takes another step and the 
the crowns at the top just look like two basketball rings. Like oh. they're just two big baskets. <laughs> and I could see mass. And I'm like, yep. and I don't get deer fever before I shoot. I get it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I've, I don't know what happens, but I don't get it before I shoot. So I just get the job done and then you can worry about your nerves afterwards. So anyway, he stopped and propped perfectly, but there was obviously a hind on heat. So he had his interest in that and they hadn't smelled us. And um, by that point, I think we'd moved another 20 metres closer. So it was about 220, which it's I'm not being cocky, but it's not a hard shot on yep. an animal that size um, with a rifle with a scope on it that's magnified. So hmm. I put the pipper on where I wanted to aim. I guesstimated just using my eye the distance, looking at the size of the animals and the terrain, and I was like, yeah, it's about 200. Um, and then I got – there was no tree to rest off, so I sort of just put the sling around my arm, tried to stiffen up it up as much as possible, like take the tension, and I fired. And the shot felt good, but I lost him in the shot. And Gus said that he watched him and it did, he didn't flinch or anything, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's weird. So we waited five minutes because I thought, well, we'll just wait, let him go down, um, I know with bow hunting you usually wait a lot longer, but with mm. rifles you sort of don't have to generally wait as long if you do your shot well. Um, it went up to the bench and we started at that spot and there was no blood at all. But it's not the first time I've shot something and there's not been blood, so I wasn't disheartened. I could see his hoof prints though over everyone else's because they were so big. <laughs> so... I followed that and it literally just kept going into the thicker stuff, no sign of blood, no nothing. And I probably walked for about, I said to Gus, I'll come back to this sport, just stay here, I'm going to be a while unless you, you know, unless he's down. And I walked for an hour and it just kept going. And I almost pretty much ended up back towards where we were camping. So I was like, well, he's obviously, I've missed, something's happened, I don't know what's happened. I come back after about an hour and get to the spot. And Gus, I said, you go down to where I fired. I'll stand where the first hoof marks take off. As we do that, the actual only bit of breeze, it had been fairly still, so it was about 10 o'clock in the morning. The only bit of breeze came through and this green branch off a eucalyptus tree about 50 metres in front of it um, falls off. I was like, oh, that's that's weird. weird. And it it was about a, I don't know, two and a half inch, no, probably not that big, probably about an inch or less size thickness branch. I'm like, that's very weird. So I went down there and there's a perfect, I had my 270 because I don't usually shoot my magnums anymore, but um, I had 270 shape hole through it. Oh. I'm like, I've hit the tree branch that I just didn't see the branch because I was too busy focusing on this deer. We were looking 50 yards uh, past that. Oh, that's right, and and I thought it was a clear shot, but it was there was obviously that one percent, that one branch. Oh. So, and Gus goes, "Yeah, you've hit the branch, and for whatever reason, it's gone a different angle, and it yeah. hasn't hit him at all, or yeah, it hasn't hit him at all. There was no blood, no nothing. So it was probably the most disheartened I've been for a while. We'd sort of checked the trail cameras. There was some good fallow bucks on there, which was promising." Um, in velvet because that was obviously when I'd set the camera out. Um, we finished walking the rest of the distance and I'm like, 
I've, I've stuffed it. I fluffed it, you know. And I, I actually, um, for the first time, I did it. I don't usually do, didn't do Instagram stories or anything like that. I don't, I never really film anything because I don't personally like hearing my own voice for some reason. <laughs> you just so stuff that by getting on air. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I know, yeah. But, um, I just take photos. That's what I like doing. And because my wife even asked me when we met, why don't you do a YouTube channel? I'm like, I just don't like it's not my hearing thing. my. I don't like looking at myself on the camera either or anything. It's just not my thing. So anyway, I thought, no, nah, you know what? She she said to me, why don't you just do a story, this Insta story, this right, Instagram story for those people that don't have Instagram. So I, I filmed it. I, you know, did did the thing. I thought, oh, I'll just give it a go. Anyway, and I, I got some negative feedback online from missing the shot. Some people jeered <laughs> me anyway. and But I don't. If I get jeered, that sort of becomes more motivation for me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. So it, it's almost like a red rag to a bull, as they say. So I was like, right, eh? I, I, you know, not just because of that. I have to, this animal, I have to get this animal. And I messaged my wife and said, um, yeah, any weekends until towards the end of the rut are just now going to be completely free because I am not, like, I was just working out my calendar, like, when can <laughs> I get back in? even though we still had five days. Um, anyway, fast forward. Um, so it just just before you go further, had you heard him roar yet? No. There was no roars. There was no croaking from bucks. Yeah, right. They started doing their scrapes though. Okay. Was, um, what dates is? Uh, end of, what was it, end of... Uh, end of April, March, April? I don't March. know. I'd, yeah, I'd have to right. look at my phone, but we'd, yeah... It's the end of that that month anyway, so there was no roars, no nothing. And, and same sort of, we went through the same. Um, the next day, we got up early. Thought, right, we're going to do this circuit again. The wind's better, but that doesn't matter because the wind seems to be fairly consistent up in that hilly country. Yep. So we same thing again. Um, we I think we saw some foxes or something like that, but again, the wind was bad, so they. The foxes were like 500 metres out in the neighbours or something where we actually saw them and we thought, well, we're not going to bomb them up. They're too far over the fence, let alone um, even think about it. So we kept going, did the same thing, had Smoko in the same spot, um, walked up to that track to the dam and I was messing with my trail camera and Gus just goes, and so we'd seen no red deer there, Gus goes, I'm just going to walk... Um, 50 metres away to this blackberry bush and I'm just – because it's a there's a good open face um, that leads up to this big hill. I'm just going to sit there with my binos. I'm going to glass. And anyway, as he went over and sat there, I'm playing around with his camera trying to get it sorted, <laughs> change the SD card and the batteries and then also mount it back up. We heard this boulder go doosh, doosh, doosh down the hill from the top and we're like – that's weird because there's no cattle in this paddock or sheep. So at that point, we literally looked at each other because I thought the boulder was going to come down and kill one of us. Like <laughs> it, it actually sounded pretty serious, but it stopped on one of these benches down the hill. And then he looked up the hill and I went back to doing my camera and he saw two red hinds but right up the top of the hill. And I think it's – I can't remember how many metres above sea level, but it's quite high. Um looking down and he's going he makes 
this sound from childhood. He does it whenever he, he goes kss, 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 trying to get my attention. Like he, I know he's, <laughs> what he does when he wants to get my attention. You know how certain people make certain yeah. noises that you probably with your hunting partners. <laughs> so I was, I, I was on to him straight away. I'm like, oh, he's seen something, right? Eh? So I grabbed the rifle, come over, and I left my bag back at uh. the camera. He had his bag, luckily though. And so we're on the bottom of the hill, and these deer at the top of the hill. And it's like some ridiculous uh, immediate incline. <laughs> and I'm just thinking, oh, this Heinz, right? this is good. This is a good sign. This might be the same group that we've seen the previous day. Anyway, these Heinz are looking down at us and we're in the open. Like we got nowhere to hide. We're on the edge of a blackberry bush, but we must have just looked like the weirdest object <laughs> in that terrain. So they're just looking at us with those pointy ears. and Stand eyes out like going. anything. Yeah, and we're not moving. And next minute, this big stag looks over the edge of the ledge that they're on. And I'm like, he's there. So I said to Gus, get your backpack off. Get your backpack off. So he gets his backpack off. I put it on this boulder. And they're looking at us like, what the hell is these things down the bottom of here? And all I can see is his shoulders and his head and the rack. Oh, and shit. I, yeah, I usually run my rifle on two and a half power because I'm – I have it cranked right down because I tend to find things. I shoot my deer at 100 metres or less for whatever reason I get. Yep. They seem to be really close. It's rare that I really have to crank up the scope. But it's just whatever reason I prefer to get as close as possible. Anyway, for first time in a while, I had to crank it up to six power. <laughs> All I could see, I, I used the backpack on this rock to get the elevation I, built my sort of, you know, stable position that I was in. Well, this is all in the matter of seconds because I'm yeah, like, yeah. look at us and then they're just going to go. So I could, I knew where his spine was. I'm like, this is, I have to make this shot. It's make or break. And so I, I fired, the shot felt good. I spined him and he just went straight off. But this is where I was like, oh, no, he's going to bust himself to pieces. Cause he, <laughs> oh, no. straight, he sort of cartwheeled down the hill and – the momentum took him down and the only thing that stopped him was that this next bench that was about halfway down from where I shot him. And, yeah, elation just came over us and I, I high-fived Gus. I think I might have hugged him. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Whatever. He, what happens in the bush stays in the bush. Yeah, that's right. I got a magnet from America that there's that. What happens on the hunt stays on the hunt. There's a dog with a bra in its mouth and the guy, the hunter's holding a shotgun. But, yeah, that reminds me. Of that. Um, anyway, so, yeah, and then we – uh, that's the next part. I took another video of that on my Instagram walking up to it. I thought, I'm just going to do it just because I had some people jeer me. I'm like, I'll just commentate walking up to it. Hopefully it doesn't shrink too much on the ground as I'm walking up. <laughs> it didn't shrink. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the key at the end of the story. It didn't shrink. But I, I got up and, and you can just hear in my voice, I'm just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because – I was not expecting to see something this size. And, um, yeah, I just took it in for a moment with Gus and and um, I said thanks to him because at the end of it, we were really there for him, not me. Um, and, and we took a bunch of photos and, and I was still shaking and uh, I ended up calling the farmer and luckily – he knew where we were exactly because it was pretty hilly. He said, oh, I'll come and I'll, I'll help you carry him out because he he actually wanted some meat as well for his yeah, dogs. Yeah, sweet. Um, there was a lot of it, so that was handy. But, um, yeah, he ended up having 14 points and I think 
um, my mate John measured. Oh, I haven't even measured it, but um, he said it was 42 inches long or something Holy like shit. that. Yes, yeah, that's a good head. <laughs> yeah, so, and then as we're talking to the farmer, he rang the next door neighbour, which leads into another quick story. Is that I got on next door out of this situation. Oh shit! Because he he drove his ute round through the gate because they got a boundary gate. Yep. Came in and he goes, oh, that's not going to fit on your quad, that head. You're going to end up coming to guts and end up with a tine through your stomach or something. I'll put it on my Land Cruiser you. So <laughs> he threw it on his Land Cruiser you. And then as we're talking to him, he's like, oh, yeah, um, there's another six of these guys around or five of these guys about this size. I've, I've shot one myself, but this year – I saw him in velvet, and there was another five or six. There's probably five now because he saw six. Wowza. And he's like, oh, they, yeah, they just come and go. They don't hang around. So it's all pure timing, getting the right time. And since then, I've been back with John, and we found a bit of sign because yep. um, we, we didn't, for whatever reason, we didn't get on there during the rut. Um, just, yeah, busy lifestyle. Timing, um, yep. Yeah, timing, but... You know, I'd already shot big red, so I was sort of like, oh, well, you know, what am I going to shoot now? Because unless it's got more points, it's really not worth yeah. shooting. So, yeah, John and I went back and it looked like – so while we were there, it rained. Uh, while Gus and I were there um, after when I just shot that stag. And then um, John and I went for a walk and in the mud there was tracks from another red stag because you can just see the sheer size difference. Yep, yep. There's obviously another stag pushing around that same country. Um, probably picked up the girls. Probably picked up the girls, that's right. Yeah. Pushed them back towards where we camp, which is another valley. So mm. they're obviously, I believe what that other farmer said, there's obviously more than one of yeah. these guys. Yep. And they're getting that sight. They've evaded spotlighters, shooters. Um, it's just the nature of the country. It's Yep. It's, there's some inaccessible country in there via vehicle unless you actually physically walk in there you're never going to get in there a little so, bit to do with red you know the red deer seem to be like that a bit too um i don't know how they get a, they i don't know how they get to where they get as far as age and that goes but they do well drought seems to be the only thing that pulls them out where they've got to go out and feed on those open pastures but gotcha. um yeah other than that they seem to do pretty well yeah, they well, from what I can tell, they stick up in that thick timbered country. Yeah. And that's how they get the age about them in this particular area is because no one really probably goes up there for the farmer to push some cattle through that country. That's to it. Get from the open paddocks down through to his, like, gets through the timber and then get down to his lower paddocks. But other than that, they get pretty much left alone. You just don't know what you're going to find up in there. And that's what. I've said to a few mates, you just after I've shot this guy, you don't know what you're going to find no, in there. No, not and at all. He reckoned that same neighbour that had seen that um, deer reckons that he shot a pig that he put on the scales. It was a 120 kilo boar. <laughs> so big, oh. big mountain boars in that country. Yep, there might be a lot of them, but you know, a lot of the times when you do find one, they're going to be a cracker. Yeah, well, um, Gus on that same trip ended up shooting. We got. Ended up, he got five five deer, some meat oh, animals, sweet. and a couple of antlers. Um, and he ended up shooting. I reckon it was probably an eighty to ninety kilo. It was like a silver boar almost. Um, nice. So, like, yeah, there's definitely. It's just luck again and hard work, and you get there in the end. Like, I still, um, 
like for the future and between you and I, I usually try to line up one paid hunt a year. That's just because I like a trophy hunt somewhere or something. Yep. yep. I was just about to ask you, you know, what, yeah. you know, where, where do you sort of go for me? I mean, you're probably like me, mate. Yeah. You know, there's always something that you're planning for and you know, the, the, the rut and the reds and the fallow seem to be just, they kind of fill in the part of the year, but there's plenty more that goes <laughs> on. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. There's still pigs, pigs in winter and, um, yeah. Yeah, look, I usually I just set myself a bit of a rule a few years ago. I, I tried to do one guided hunt um, just because I'm fortunate enough to have a good income. I can afford to, um, you know, I put money aside. I do save hard, don't get me wrong, but I yeah. thought I'd shout myself a good hunt somewhere outside of the, what I normally do. So yep. Yep. the first one I did was chittle up out at um, – uh, you know, Charters Towers years yep. ago, I did that. And I was like, oh, this is good. You know, once a year, you get away because um, yep. I get X amount of time off a year. You might as well take it. So definitely, I'll, I'll go and do that. Um, then I did New Zealand a couple of times and got some tar. Um, that was pretty good fun. I need to go back for chamois and Seeker, but mm. that's another story. And then that probably leads into America, which um, I – was fortunate enough that my wife wanted to get married in Mexico um, and the family all went over there. But I thought, wow, what a perfect opportunity to go to America <laughs> first. And I lined up a whitetail hunt, um, a guided one. Perfect. Um, in, I hunted in Wyoming in the particular area that I went in. Non-resident couldn't go alone. So yep. I thought, well, why not? Um, yeah, obviously – pay for a guide and I've got no idea there are grizzlies in that or bears alone in that country. Like I've got no idea. I've never hunted this country before. I've been yeah. there, but I've never hunted it. And yeah, I, I shot a nice, well, I think it's a nice white tail. And then I got married after that. So and my wife and son at the time, who was only one or two, he came, they came as well. So right. um, shared that with them as well. And That's then a good we're trip. Planning, that probably leads into the, planning in the future um i'm looking to go back with my mate john um possibly next year and chase mule deer and antelope with the same outfitter awesome um we were we were going to do elk do three species but we think that we'll probably be biting off more than we can chew and we'll save keep building points for the elk yeah um it's a points building system there where we yep. want to get into yep yep um and do that in the, as as just a, a solo trip by itself. Definitely. Just so that it's not a rush. And um, it's another excuse to get back over there too. Yeah. And I already <laughs> said to my, said to my wife, I said, look, I'll shoot. I'm going to go shoot an elk, but I'm just going to tell you now, I'm going to go back again and chase elk in a different state. Like, <laughs> might get into, say, New Mexico or something like that or, you know, ch- chasing um, – a, a bigger elk possibly than a representative depending on what happens you yeah, know, you never yeah. Know some of those late season tags mate they're uh they're, they're hell of a hunt but man they can pull some big bulls out of them yeah well i've been again doing homework watching youtube watching the americans doing a bit of googling and in different states and different stuff but yeah they again they're a creature of habit like oh yeah deer. yeah I found there's so many similar traits with them. It's ridiculous how similar they are. I mean, I know we're a different country and all that kind of stuff, but their habits, I mean, I haven't had anything to do with, the, you know, the, the elk and that, the fjord and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, the terrain there, I think, is probably what really, you know, makes them 
nearly impossible, but they get it done. But uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> credit to the boys. But um, you know, I'm sure their habits are probably somewhere along the lines being similar of, of what they're going to do. I think so. You think there'd be a baseline habit in there somewhere? You'd but... think so. I mean, there's got to be something to work off, and you know, the boys obviously get it done. So um, yeah, that's right. Well, I was talking to a, a bloke the other day on um, messaging him, and because um, my mate John. We were talking about Fiordland and I said, oh, I know someone that oh, – I've seen someone shot a good bull in there a few years ago and um, I was I had sent them a message just asking if they'd done a YouTube video yep. um, of their bull and or his bull and, um, yeah, sure, as they went in as a pair, these two Aussie guys, and, um, yeah, he, he'd um, done a video and it was pretty – like, you know, it sort of – you could see they had to get up right up to the tops by the looks of it. And yeah. That's where he was. he was above the tree line. And, and they admittedly said that it was um, – they only filmed the easy bits quote because it was easy to film. Yep. But they didn't show the hard yards of all the slog that they had to do. Oh. And subsequently I've done homework since then and seen a lot of the Kiwis videos where you've got to go up through that monkey scrub and that oh. other looks sort of stuff. brutal. Yeah, and, and I've heard stories, um, secondhand stories from people saying they did like a kilometre in five hours or something. Kills oh. that just seems completely <laughs> to buzz over here, you know. So, it's hard to imagine um, it really is. Yeah, and it would probably be more mental and, yeah. and probably physical than the actual few seconds of the hunt if you yeah. if you get that chance. If you, you get know, there, yeah, yeah. It's on the list anyway. Oh, like definitely. <laughs> Definitely on the list. That's what's scary. <laughs> Just got to pick. I've worked out. You got to pick your time with your age. Like, don't yeah. leave it too late. I think. Like, I think we're to... right there now. I think. I think yeah. early mid thirties to late thirties. I think is the. Yeah. But I you mean, do see some older guys go in there, but. Um, it's a bit of a pacing yeah. too. I mean, you know, credit to the guys getting it done. I don't know. I'd... Time your run, as they say. Time your run. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. So. Yep. Pick it, pick it when it's right for you, when you know it's right, because not everyone's going to be the same. That's right. That's mm. right. And, and I suppose, like it, I've said this before on the podcast, like it just hadn't been in my, you know, my sights. Like I just, to be honest with you, I just thought half of it was too hard. You know, like mm. obviously just trying to get over there and the fact that you're just going to be fighting scrub and yeah. all that kind of stuff. But now that a few of the other trips I've done has sort of opened up my eyes that it can yeah. be done and, you know, sometimes that's where the challenge sits. So, mm. no, I'll well, get, you've all I'll got get to start at, Yeah, you've all got to start at the bottom some way and work your way up. So you can just take your time and go at your own pace, I suppose. But anyway, the day will come for both of us. I think so, mate. Well, you've proved that tonight, mate. Uh, rabbits and foxes, everyone, that's where you got to start and then you get to shoot big red deer. Well, yeah, don't <laughs> hold me to that. <laughs> Yeah, individual uh, asterisks, individual experiences vary. <laughs> <laughs> that might be the title of the podcast, I think. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, you've yeah. been absolutely awesome tonight. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you, um, you know, sharing your knowledge and, you know, especially being so open about how you go about, you know, gaining access and that kind of stuff because some people are very lucky and it falls in their laps, mate, but you've definitely done the hard yards and, you know, it's a bloody credit to you to, to shoot a fantastic stag the way you did you deserve every bit of it thanks yeah appreciate it i sort of get a bit embarrassed when people give me praise but yeah thank thanks very much no, um, no. 
No problem at all, mate. And, um, mate, you've also had some ripping mentors over your time as well. And I'm sure you show, throw a thanks out to them as well. And um, Yeah, I'll, they'll probably listen to this. And, um, yeah, I'll probably should ring them after the podcast comes out and say, or beforehand and say, yep, you need to listen to this. <laughs> pre warning. <laughs> yeah, pre warning, your name's getting mentioned, but you, you did help me along the way and I really appreciate it. So, yeah. That's um, all. That's There's awesome. probably people I didn't mention, but, you know, they know who they are. So, yeah. That's awesome. Well, mate, thanks again. I really appreciate taking the time and uh, and sharing your story, mate. I know you've got a heap more, and um, there's no doubt we'll do this again. No worries. Thanks, Craig. You're a legend, mate. Good on you. Guys, thanks for joining me on another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. As always, I greatly appreciate the feedback, uh, no matter the platform that you give it to me. Um, you know, it definitely drives us to uh, to bring the content to you, and uh, and really thankful that uh, you guys jump on, uh, give it a listen, sharing with others, and um, and just the overall support. There's some big changes coming with the with the podcast, uh, all for the good. Um, keep a lookout over the next coming months. Um, really excited the way that uh, the podcast is going and um, certainly going to be an overload of content uh, moving forward. So um, coming up with a couple of announcements over the next few weeks, um, obviously the big one, this one, is the uh, is the Hoyt giveaway. Uh, please jump on that, support it, and uh, support the companies that uh, support me. Anyway, guys, uh, best of luck for any hunts that are coming up soon, and um, all the best and stay safe. Bye for now.